0: and that you'll be really blessed and that god will speak into your heart as we take this journey together so please go ahead and hit the subscribe button to keep updated with the very latest sauntering podcasts Welcome to another beautiful sunny day here in Weymouth. Welcome to another saunter in our series on Paul's first letter to the charismatic Corinthians. And we are on chapter 15 today, which we're not going to succeed in doing all in one go. So we're going to have to break it up into two. And I'm going to pray and welcome the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you today to speak to us to invade our lives with your love and your power, to make Jesus the most real thing that's going on in our entire world. Amen. Now, um, I just would like to preface today by honouring an incredible lady. She's called Anna. She is my bride of 32 years. I cannot imagine my life without her. It is our anniversary today. And I want to say, happy anniversary, darling. And you constantly amaze me. You humble me by your grace and your strength. And you are just unbelievable. And I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud to be your husband. <laughs> ah, I'm getting all teary now. So Paul says here, chapter 15 he says now I would remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you which you received in which you stand and by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain and so Pauls saying here I'm I'm I want to just remind you again brothers of this gospel the good news that I brought to you. That that it's comes from the the word good news comes from the word blessing. It's to speak well, and to bring something good uh, into somebody's life. And Paul's saying, "Listen, this gospel, the gospel that we preach, is good news." I love calling it the good news because I get I think our jargon sometimes works against us and we get used to talking about the gospel it is good news it is phenomenally good news thank you everyone for your kind wishes good morning sally buenos dias Baudi and buenos dias flor thank you kathy welcome and welcome tracy ann and hi Alison, fran great to see you all you are great friends and pals of mine (laughs) um and so Paul's saying, listen, this is good news, and I have I brought it to you, you received it. You didn't just passively listen. The word there for receive is you took to yourself. It's like you took it off with you. You participated, you grabbed it with both hands, and he's saying, and by it you are being saved. It's actually working in you right now to save you. Isn't that incredible? So the message that you received, however long ago you received it, It's working in you now to save you. Ah, And he says, basically he's encouraging them to to hold fast to it, to stick at it, to stand in it. And, you know, they don't want to have started out and believed in vain and then drifted off and got sidetracked into something else. Um, Verse 3, he says, For I delivered to you as of first importance... What I also received, and he he says this. This Paul often says this: my gospel, or the gospel that I received, and he had received this gospel, this good news, personally by revelation during an encounter with Jesus Himself. Now we can possibly assume that it was um, following that moment on the Damascus Road where God knocked him off his donkey and Jesus spoke to him and he sa- and jesus said why are you persecuting me and then uh, paul said who are you lord and he said i'm jesus christ who you are persecuting good morning kevin and i forgot to tag you but you found it brilliant great to see you buddy And uh, so he says, this was of primary importance that I should pass on to you what I received. So Paul is very conscious of his role as a steward of someone. It's not his to own in the sense it's not his personal message and yet it kind of is his personal message and he does own it but it came from a much higher authority it came from Jesus himself and Paul saw himself as a steward somebody who had to deliver like the postman post lady comes to your door with the mail that comes from somebody else he says I'm like the post delivery person um, bringing the mail to your door and I'm just so proud of my job and I love my job he said, for I delivered, if, if the post men and women had to suffer the kind of things that Paul suffered in delivering his message, I think they might change their jobs fairly early on, to be honest. Um, they get paid a lot, they probably get paid more, hopefully they would. And he says, that. and this is what I received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, not anymore, but were when Paul was writing. They'd be very old now, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then all the apostles, last of all, as To one untimely born he appeared to me. And then, so what Paul's saying is, listen, our message, the, the good news that we've brought to you has never been about a philosophy or a set of good ideas or seven principles to make yourself more handsome and incredibly attractive to the opposite sex or to gain friends and influence people or to have... Uh, washboard abs or any of those things he's saying listen this is not this is about real events that really happened the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ is based on real events that actually happened and even more than that They are prophesied all the way throughout the scripture and if you didn't catch our saunter to the stable you can go back over that at any time by getting onto YouTube Prayer House Weymouth YouTube channel and look at the saunter to the stable and we go through many of the Old Testament prophecies that lead up to the birth of of Jesus and talk about the different ones that he fulfilled and in it's over 300 there's many 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 Old Testament prophecies that Jesus fulfilled and so Paul says listen this is something that really happened it would and it was prophesied in the scriptures and Jesus fulfilled that just as it was prophesied. And so he's saying this is this is (laughs) this good news is based on a real person who is really who really walked this earth, who really died, and who really was buried and who really did rise again. Now one of the things that Muslim many Muslims believe was that Jesus didn't actually die on the cross, that he swooned and kind of passed out. And then when they took him down and put him in the cave, the cold. Tomb thing sort of revived Him and brought him round Listen, the flogging and the beating Alone was enough To kill people, it left their Their organs, internal organs Exposed, it was not something You just swooned from Hanging up there in the heat of the day. I mean, we have people whinging and complaining when it's 28 in Weymouth. And when Jesus was hanging there on the cross in the heat of the day, drinking, didn't he just say, give him sour vinegar to drink? He died. He really died. And the Romans were, the guys who were there making sure the job was done were formal executioners. They had to make sure their victims were dead it was their job they were getting paid for dead people not for swooners <laughs> so, so anyway so Paul's saying this really happened Jesus really died and then he appeared to all these people and that's that's an incredible list isn't it and he doesn't even mention the women I don't know whether Paul was uh, didn't think that was important but whatever we mustn't make an assumption based on it not being in here morning Caroline. Great to see you. I hope you are well. And it says, then he appeared to James and all the apostles, last of all, as to one untimely born, and the the term there he uses is like someone who's been miscarried. It's like I've been born in the wrong sequence. I wasn't there at the beginning. I've I don't know what Paul was doing. He was certainly alive, but we don't know of his whereabouts at that time when Jesus was actually walking around on the earth. Um but certainly he was he was back in time for Stephen from wherever he'd been and that's where we are introduced to him. But he says, I, I became, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be, sorry, unworthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. And he's saying, listen, I don't, I don't take this credit on myself to have this incredible privilege of being an apostle of Jesus I was a persecutor and the word there that we, you know when we said yesterday about pursue love hunt it down same word persecuted he hunted them down and Paul says now he he uses the same word intentionally no doubt hunt down love run after it catch it you know, don't let it escape you. And he was like that with the Christians. But he's now, he's kind of redeemed that word that was so horribly true of him as a persecutor. And this is what he says, verse 10, he says, but by the grace of God, by the undeserved gift of God, I am what I am. I don't deserve this. I've done nothing to deserve it. This is God's amazing kindness to me. And he says, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and you believed. So Paul's saying, listen, I I worked harder than any of the other apostles he's boasting a little bit and then he kind of reigns it in and you think no, hold on a minute actually even that was god's grace even the ability so the person who's highly productive in preaching the gospel that's fantastic there is an element of our um, commitment and devotion that comes through in that how we serve jesus but at the same time our productivity and our effectiveness is still down to his grace isn't it and even The strength and the energy to get up and do the things that some do is a gift from God. And I look at other people around the world, and you watch their Instagram feed, and I think, oh gosh, I, you know, I'm I'm barely even on the starting blocks compared to some of these incredible people, and yet we have to say they they even them what they do is because of God's grace anything that is of value that they produce through their lives and through all their amazing activity if it has eternal value it came from God's grace it was all part of his grace this is amazing isn't it but he says i worked hard in any of them but it doesn't really matter as long as you heard the gospel it doesn't matter who you heard it from whether it was me or one of the others Verse 12, he says, now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? This is an interesting one. We haven't heard this one yet in this in this um, book, but Paul's addressing a commonly held belief that the resurrection from the dead is not a thing. Now, we know, those of us who've been sauntering any length of time will know that the Sadducees were a Jewish group at the time of Jesus who didn't believe in anything much supernatural and they certainly didn't believe in life after death. So there was that kind of school of thought out there. But there was also the Jewish Gnostics who were all based on knowledge and um, gaining sort of worldly knowledge. And they had the idea that the body which is so temporal, temporary and kind of passes away and gets old and wrinkly and um <laughs> yeah don't look too closely um it gets old and wrinkly and passes away they kind of viewed it in a disparaging negative kind of light good morning phil great to see you they viewed it in a negative kind of light and they valued only the spirit so for them the idea of a bodily resurrection was a bit of a disappointing idea they didn't really get on with that it didn't appeal to their Jewish yeah that's right they it didn't appeal to their their um Greek sense of refinement they liked the idea that the body is temporary it's trashy it's irrelevant what's important is the spirit of a person and they had this idea that the spirit is what we should value and Paul's saying listen this whole thing this whole message is about the sorry, is about the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's about him being, his mortal body, his physical body being raised to life. Good morning, Chris. And uh, this is this is really, really important. This is very, very profoundly important. Now, there was a famous um, um, bishop of Durham who said that, You know, he didn't believe in the resurrection and, uh, you know, we need to understand that without the bodily resurrection of Jesus, there is no gospel. And that's where Paul's going with this. There is no good news. So he says, but if there is no resurrection from the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. So if resurrection isn't a thing, then Christ himself, the Messiah, has not been raised. So everything we're talking about is nonsense. So verse 14, he says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our teaching is in vain and your faith is in vain, actually. So goodness only knows what you think, but is no good to you if Jesus hasn't been raised from the dead. He says, verse 15, we are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. So he's saying, well, you know, we're telling lies then about God because we're saying that God did raise Jesus, but if the dead are not raised, then he didn't raise Jesus. So kind of gives a little bit laboured, but we'll get there. So this is important. It is a very important principle that we understand that the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus is central to the good news of the gospel. If Jesus remained dead, then all of his promises died with him. But if he's alive, they're all good to go because he promised them and he's still able to deliver 100% on everything he promised. Verse 15. Hold on, we did that. Verse 15. We are even found to be misrepresenting God, which would be a very bad thing to do. We need to be careful that we don't put our own message out there and in the name of God... We need to be very careful and Paul was clear on that. So verse 16, for if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. Verse 17, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people to most to be pitied now let's just go back to the first few verses here he says i delivered to you as of first importance what i also received that christ died for our sins according to the scripture he died to be an atoning sacrifice for our sins to cover all of our sins now if i was here on Facebook Live or on the Prayer House Radio, and you could see a big, big illustration of all of my sins, and each one was identifiable to you, and you could recognise it. You wouldn't like me. (laughs) You wouldn't think, oh, what a nice chap. You would think, gosh, oh, dear, go away, Paul. I'm not listening to you. And why would I present myself morning by morning if all of that was still there condemning me it's because jesus has atoned and covered all of that it's like he's thrown a massive big sheet over it but when you he yanks off the sheet it's all gone he's covered my sin he's taken it away from me he doesn't hold it against me anymore even though the law of the land might, although I don't think I've got any crimes outstanding, unpaid for. <laughs> I think all the points have gone from my license. Uh, but do you, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm here because of my confidence in the fact that Jesus died for my sins and that, that has paid for them. And, and Paul's saying, listen, if Jesus didn't die, it didn't, you know, wasn't raised from the dead, then whatever he thinks he's done for your sins is irrelevant because he hasn't. And you're still in your sin. And so this is why the resurrection is really important. This is why a bishop who doesn't believe in the resurrection, I'm not sure what he is a bishop of. He's certainly not a bishop of the church of Jesus Christ if he doesn't believe in the most fundamental aspect of the good news which is that jesus rose on the third day and so paul's saying and he's saying really what is there for us as christians if jesus didn't raise if it's just about this life that we have hope in jesus in christ in the anointed messiah then we are of all people to be pitied we have got nothing really have we in fact we've got a whole load of other stuff um, we're gonna if we've got a whole load of other stuff that we wouldn't have to have if we weren't following Jesus there are challenges that face us day by day as a Christian that don't face somebody who doesn't follow Jesus they don't have to worry about um, being persecuted for their faith, number one. They don't have to care, you know, they can do what they like with temptation because it doesn't really matter. Um, They're not trying to, they're not, there's no desire in them to live a holy life. They don't, because they don't belong to anybody, to be set apart for. And so there are a whole host of challenges that um, a Christian parent will want to instill godly values and teach the kingdom of heaven to their children. That is not a worry for somebody who doesn't follow Jesus. They can just let the kids do grow themselves up and turn out how they want. And as long as they're happy, that's all that matters type of thing. And so we really do discover that following Jesus gives us a whole host of stuff. It gives us a lot of blessings and a lot of great things that happen to us in our lives and a lot of adventures that we wouldn't have had but it also gives us certain trials and challenges and pressures that people wouldn't have who don't bother with Jesus but in fact verse 20 but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep now this is important the idea of first fruits good morning mark wade first fruits were is a is a thing that jewish people would understand it's when they first put the sickle into a field of corn the first sheaf that they bound up from that field was given as an offering to the lord that was from there when they began harvesting so when the season for harvest began that first sheaf or um, maybe it might have been a number of sheaves i can't remember was given to the lord and it was there was a similar practice with the firstborn of a cow and all these different things that went on so in in farming society so it was understood that god gave the harvest and they were going to give back this first fruit but it was evidence also and an expectation of a much greater harvest so if the first fruits was all there was it would be a very disappointing harvest if it was just one sheaf it would be like wow this is a total we're going to starve all winter because we haven't got enough to eat but paul is saying here that christ jesus christ is the first fruits from those who have fallen asleep and what he means the first one who has died in faith he is being, he's the first one who has been resurrected and given this brand new body, which is a, which would have looked, uh, I guess, something like his other one, because people recognised him as being Jesus. Well, sometimes they did, sometimes they didn't, because sometimes he seems to have had some cloaking device that, that concealed his identity. But he, um, they knew it was him. And it was a body and it still has the scars in it. And so this body is still there in heaven and it's an eternal body that doesn't pass away. And we'll come on to that more tomorrow. But he says, um, hold on, let me stay with it. For, But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. So he's the first one of a big harvest that's coming. Now, I'm going to have to wrap this up quickly, so I'm going to just find a good stopping point. And he says, so there is a big harvest that's coming, and Jesus is the first one. And this harvest is like him in as much as it's all about resurrected sons and daughters of God being with him forever. Incredible. So verse 21, he says, For as by a man came death... By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. 24, then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Let's just pause there a second because I want to pick up this thing. For as in Adam, verse 22, all die, so in Christ, so in Christ, uh, wait, all shall be made alive. So in Christ, all shall be made alive. So Adam introduced death into the world. God said, if you eat of the fruit of that tree, you will surely die. Adam and Eve ate the fruit. It's counted as Adam's sin. Adam um, introduced death into the human race. And then Jesus comes as the representative man and brings life and makes life available for every single person who believes in him, who will trust in him. And so Jesus then is the key to unlocking the resurrection of the dead for the whole human race. Just as Adam was the key to unlocking death and releasing death to the whole human race, Jesus is the one who unlocks life to the whole human race. And so, Jesus being the first fruits is an expectation that there will be this bumper harvest across the face of the earth of men and women of every color and every language, every nationality, who have become participators, you know, become sharers in this incredible gift of life through Jesus, through his death and his resurrection. Now, I am going to have to stop it there, but we will look, we'll pick up tomorrow uh, on chapter 4, when it, uh, chapter 20, uh, sorry, verse 24, rather, when it says, then comes the end. We'll, we'll explore that together. In the meantime, let me pray for you and bless you. Jesus, come on. Every single promise of yours is yes and amen. It's available. It's on tap because you are alive and you conquered death, and you were the fir- You are the firstborn of many brothers and sisters to be resurrected. Jesus, come on, let your promises flood into our lives today, Lord. We want to shake your, we want to pull on your garment and say, come on, Lord, let these promises begin to pour down into our lives in Jesus' name. So go after him today, pursue love. And remember that because of his death and resurrection, we get to live. Hallelujah. Lots of love to you all. Yes. Bless you guys. Take care. Have an amazing day.